Most of us are somewhat familiar with orchards and fruit and so forth because of where we live. Uh, some of you are very familiar with orchards and fruit because it's your livelihood. Um, we all know, though, that the worth of an orchard is based on its ability to produce fruit, right? If it can't produce fruit, it's not worth much, at least as an orchard. So we can walk into an orchard during the summer and pretty much know whether it's a healthy orchard or not. Some of you, uh, whose livelihood this is, with all your agronomy skills, can actually tell us the technical detail of why the soil's bad or why the tree's bad or whatever, and so forth and so on. But most of us could at least walk into an orchard and say, yeah, this is a fruitful orchard, or no, this is not a fruitful orchard. In the spiritual world, it's very similar to the orchard world that is around us. This is what Jesus said on the matter in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. What's the tree known by? Its fruit. And this is what Jesus said right there. Jesus was here, of course, talking about evidence for new life, evidence for true conversion, true belief, authentic faith. So how do we know, how do you know, if you're a true believer? I hope you don't say, well, because I said a prayer back when I was eight. Okay, that, that's not the biblical answer. Or because I wrote it in my Bible cover when I prayed that prayer at Youth for Christ meeting. That's not the answer. What's the answer according to Jesus? You bear fruit. That's the answer. How do we know if we're believers? How, how do those around us know if we have embraced Christ Jesus for ourselves? By our fruit. So what fruit can you see in your life? If we could examine yourself, how, what would you see this morning? Let me read our passage today. If you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. Mark 4, 21 through 25. Let's, let's take a look at what Jesus thinks about this issue. And he said to them, that's Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought, into, brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, or nothing is secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Today's passage comes right on the heels of the parables of the soil. Remember, last week Jesus mentioned four soil types that reflected the receptivity to the gospel message. Four types of responses to the gospel. Some people reject the gospel as soon as they hear it, right? The rocky soil, just out of hand, I don't want to hear about Jesus or anything like that. That's rocky soil, Jesus said. Others respond positively, but later demonstrate it's very superficial in their interest because hard times come and what happens, they fall away. That's the rocky soil, not much depth, a lot of rock, not good root system. Then the third type of soil Jesus spoke about, by way of reminder again, was that of the thorny soil. It's, the seed goes into ground that looks good, but it grows up with weeds and thorns, and those weeds and thorns choke out the good crop, and it makes it unproductive. Things in life that, that reflect that are uh, uh, an, an initial interest in the gospel, uh, uh, receiving it with joy, but then the cares of life, the, the pursuits of 
man and material things, chokes out our interest in the gospel, and then we drift away. That's the thorny soil. But then finally, Jesus ended his parable with this, the good soil. Remember that? This is the soil that represent, represents those who genuinely, genuinely embrace Jesus, genuinely embrace the gospel, and then go on to bear great amounts of produce, product, fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. So there's that good soil. Many may make a profession, all four soils make a profession except the initial hard soil, but only the ones who truly possess faith are the ones with authentic faith. It's not profession, it's not saying a bunch of things, it's possessing something. Those are the ones who bear fruit, and we could call it fruitful obedience. Given that there's no news that can compare with the good news of the gospel, the fact that so many refuse the gospel as represented in these soils is a bit shocking and tragic, isn't it? Think about the offer that's in the gospel and why some people don't embrace it. Even though that we're unworthy, even though that we're rebellious against God, he continues to hold out his grace towards us. He, he, he invites us into his family, uh, out of darkness into light, out of despair into joy. This is the offer of the gospel. And we know that our salvation is entirely from beginning to end a work of God's grace. We can't work to achieve it. It's given as a gift. The gospel gives us access to God, citizenship in heaven, eternal life, freedom from guilt, settled peace with God now and forever, and yet people reject it. It's stunning. It's shocking, really. So let's dig into the passage here that's in front of us, verses 21 through 25. To do so, I want you to look at verse 13 of Mark 4. Verse 13, so turn back there if you would. Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? What parable? The parable of the soils, the four soils. Do you not understand it? How then will you understand all the parables I'm about to tell you? So in order for you, Sun Valley Church, in order for these disciples to understand the parables that are coming between verses 21 and 34, you first have to understand the parables of the soil. That's got to happen first, which is why I reviewed it a second ago. So, um, in other words, Jesus is saying here, these parables in Mark 4, starting with the parable of the soils, all the way down to the parable of the mustard seed are all related. They're all connected. They all have the same theme. And you'll see what that is here in a minute. Today I want to explain to you the verses 21 through 25 clearly and carefully because I think they reveal to us what Jesus himself actually thought was bearing fruit, what it means to bear fruit specifically. So let's look at this. Point one in your outline is fruit bearing equals faithfully witnessing. Verses 21 through 23. And he said to them, a lamp is brought, into, is brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed or on, or on a stand. Which, so he's asking the question, do you, if you have a, a lamp, do you stick it under a bush or under a basket? Under a, no. What do you do? You put it on a stand so you can all see it, all benefit from it. So obedient Christian living isn't a vague teaching in the New Testament. It's, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. All of Paul's letters contain the importance of 
obedience to Christ and his word. In Galatians 5, 22 through 23, Paul kind of, he, he lays out what an authentic Christian's life will include. Um, he mentions the fruit of the spirit in that passage. It's an extremely helpful passage because it points to character qualities that ought to be growing in our lives as believers, right? But the list in Galatians 5, and I'll have it up on the overhead for you, can be fairly, fairly subjective, can't it? If you're looking for guidance and for evidence of true faith, this sometimes isn't all that helpful. Listen, look what it says in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, what's that mean? The fruit of having the Holy Spirit in your life, the fruit of being authentically saved, is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But these are somewhat subjective. How loving do you have to be? I mean, so I love my kids. Can't stand my neighbors, but I love my kids. Is that enough? I'm, I'm joyful. I'm not as happy as Susie. She's crazy happy. I mean, but I'm, I think, pretty joyful. So these are subjective things that are difficult to pinpoint in your own life sometimes, aren't they? Exactly. The, the kind of, they're kind of like moving targets. But here in Mark 4, Jesus' definition of bearing fruit isn't subjective at all. <laughs> He's not talking about character qualities that should be growing. He's talking about objective activity that we can see with our eyes. <laughs> we, we know that true believers demonstrate spiritual life and fruit bearing by repenting, turning from sin, pursuing obedience uh, in, to God and his word by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. But here in Mark 4, verses 21 through 25, Jesus gets specific. How many of you like specific when it comes to stuff like this? Me? Okay, you, me and three other people in here. Okay, maybe I should change direction in my sermon this morning. I need specific, personally. In our text, we see that Jesus thought that faithful fruit, faithful and fruitful obedience meant the visible and vocal witness of God in your life the visible and vocal witness of God's grace in your life. Now, there's three parables between Mark 4, 21 and 34, and all of them relate to this issue. Fruitful, faithful, obedient witness to the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what all of them point to. What we discover from these words of Jesus is that faithful, fruitful obedience includes spreading the seed of the gospel to those around us. The concept of 30, 60, and 100-fold that Jesus used in the parable of the soils in terms of crop production is related to, directly to sharing Christ with others. So what is good fruit? Number one, spreading the gospel. That's good fruit in Jesus' mind. In this first parable, 21 through 25, Jesus uses the idea of a lamp uh, and its purpose to communicate the responsibility of believers to be light, to, to share the gospel. The, the lamp was another very familiar implement that was used in every single household every single day in the audience that Jesus was speaking to. And the point of Jesus' analogy couldn't be clearer could it? If you have received the light of the gospel, you are not to conceal it. Instead, we are to put it on a, 
put it on a shelf so that all can see, so that it can shine to everybody around us. We're not to conceal the gift of the gospel that we've been given. If we have received the gospel, if we have embraced Jesus, then we must be faithful to spread the gospel, the news of Christ, to everyone around us. If you've been changed by the gospel, you need to bless others with that. Is the point here in this particular parable of the lamp. If we have received the gospel and embraced Jesus, the next obvious step, Jesus is saying, is share that with others. Pass it on. This is what we see all over the New Testament. <clears throat> Sidelight here for you who are morsel lovers. We have some morsel lovers in our audience at the church. And here's an interesting morsel for you. I want you to look at verse 21. And again, this is a sidelight, so don't lose your train of thought about my sermon direction. This is just a sidelight, a morsel for you curious folks. Uh, verse 21, he said to them, is a lamp put under or brought in? That word a is not in the original text. It's the word the. It's a definite article. It's the lamp. Mark was, was making sure that we understood two things. The parable of the light is not just a reference to us sharing the light, but it's a reverence of Jesus himself, the light, the lamp. The, the, the statement in the original is, is the lamp, not a lamp, the lamp. And then the word brought is not brought, but it's actually the word come. Is, is the lamp come? What lamp came? Jesus Christ, didn't he? There you go. Do the rest on yourselves. It's a lot of fun. It's a good study. There's your morsel. If we have received the light, to get back to my train of thought, we must pass it on. If you've received the light of the gospel, if you've been changed, if you've been given new life, those around you need to know it, is what Jesus is saying. And this is what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount also. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This, this came out of Jesus' mouth on numerous occasions, is my point. This is the mission that Jesus left us with. Listen to Acts 1.8 when Jesus said this to his few disciples standing around him before the ascension. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. My witnesses, the light in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Same thing we hear in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Share the light. Spread the good news. This is the mission that Jesus left us with, we call it, in fact, the Great Commission. Go do this. So Jesus did not intend for the good news to be obscured. He, he, he's speaking in parables, of course. Remember last week, we made a small point about this obscuring of the meaning of the, of the uh, parable. And he was speaking in parables because there were a certain fringe group of people 
called Pharisees and scribes who were antagonistic towards him. And so by way of judgment, he obscured his clear teaching to them, but made it clear to his close disciples. Verse 22 makes it clear that this was not intended to be the pattern. For nothing is hidden except was to be made manifest, nor nothing, nor is anything secret except to come to light. The, the hidden things, the mysterious things, including the identity of Christ, are meant to be revealed to the world. There was a time, as I just mentioned, in Jesus' ministry when the truth was hidden and veiled from this obstinate and re resistant group of religious leaders, but with the coming of the Holy Spirit that I just read for you from Acts 8, Acts 1, 8 rather, uh, at the day of Pentecost and the command to go in all the world, everything changed. God, Jesus said, go now and preach it, shout it from the mountaintops. This is what the Great Commission is all about, the revealing of the gospel of Jesus Christ to your friends and neighbors. Verse 22 could also be a source of encouragement to the disciples uh, who had just heard the, the parable of the soils, the four different kinds of soils, and of course those are, those are reflections of the, the condition of the heart. But I don't know about you, but I can't tell the conditions of people's hearts when I share the gospel with them. I can't tell the condition of my wife's heart some of the time. So we see here that in verse 22, nothing will be hidden except to be made manifest, nothing in secret except to come to light. So verse 22 would be an encouragement to these disciples who wondered how they might determine who has rocky soil, who has thorny soil, how are we supposed to know Jesus? Jesus said, give it time. Time will tell, time will let you know. Time will reveal these things. If you have good soil, the hardship, trials, and chaos of life will not undo your faith. You will come out the other side of all these things stronger, more faithful, more mature in your faith. The mandate to share our faith did not end with these 12, those who heard it, right? It wasn't just these guys who had to go and share the light and be a witness for Christ. We are all given that mandate if we're Christians, aren't we? This is what we see repeated in the New Testament. It just began with these 12, but continues with us. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said. Of course, Peter was the, one of the first ones who heard the mandate, but listen to what he said to Christians that read his epistle, 1 Peter 2.9. But you, speaking about Christians, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. For what reason are you? to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is why you were saved, to pass on the good news, is what Peter said. This is why we've received the gospel, is so we can pass it on to our children, our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends. We are to be people who faithfully, fruitfully witness. That is a fruit that is a visible, objective fruit. Secondly, fruit bearing also includes, in verse 24 and 25, anticipating reward. And so, and you say, well, is that objective? Certainly. Let me ask you a simple question. Do you anticipate God's reward? Do you anticipate the promise of reward? Or do you ignore it? You forget about it. You don't even think about it. Well, let's dig into it here. Verses 24 and 25. And then Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. 
from the one who has more will be given and from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away we have here a promise of reward he says to those who are a little bit squeamish about sharing their faith those who are a little bit hesitant to be vocal he says pay close attention listen up don't forget this important point he had just explained the parable of the soils, emphasizing the evangelistic responsibility of those who believe. Now here in verse 24 and 25, he tells them to do so because there is a reward that will come to those who do. If you'll share your faith, if you'll spread the seed of the gospel, you will be rewarded. Anticipating that reward is the second objective fruit of having an authentic faith. Not just spreading the seed, but anticipating God's promised reward. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added. At harvest time, the farmers only expect to receive from the field or orchard only what they put into it. I would suspect, I've never been a, an orchardist or a farmer of any kind other than my own garden. Um, even in my own garden, I don't expect much more than I put into it. If I don't keep it weeded or don't water it, I'm not going to go get any beans. All right? It's the same way with orchardists and farmers, same kind of thing. We know that we reap what we sow. If the farmer had neglected to apply adequate fertilizer or bug spray, or if he had not pruned or thinned, he would not expect to go out in the fall and have a great harvest, would he? He wouldn't. He would expect the trash that he gets. Your expectation of good crop is directly related to the diligence of your farming in Yakima and in your spiritual life. Let me say it again. Your expectation of a good crop is directly related to your diligence in farming. If you're diligent and faithful, you can expect a good and fruitful harvest. Jesus' point was that there are those who faithfully share the gospel they can expect similar results, similar rewards. What is in view in Jesus' words here in verses 24 and 25 is more about eternal reward than temporal reward. There are some times when you get a temporal reward. Uh, I've had one recently. I, I shared my faith with one of my soccer girls and she came to faith recently. And she was one of my soccer girls like 10 years ago. And she let me know. She came to faith. That's a wonderful reward, and, and, but it's temporal. It's now. But Jesus' primary focus here is future reward, eternal reward. We can't control the response of people to the gospel here and now, can we? We can control whether or not we share it, but we can't control how they re or not they respond. We're not told to expect that, but, but we can expect and anticipate this reward in the next life for faithfully sharing now. And those, of course, rewards are eternal, Jesus says. Personally, I think this should motivate us. Jesus promised that God would bless our work, not only in proportion with our effort, with the measure you use, okay, so in proportion with your effort, the measure you use, but even more than that, more will be added. So he's going to bless you according to the measure you use, according to your effort, and then add a bonus on the end of that. <laughs> so how much reward do you want, Sun Valley Church? Friends? 
how much reward do you want on the, in the next life? Sherry, my wife, rewards her students, fifth grade students, with donuts for completing math assignments. She's personally not making any money at her job, <laughs> but she rewards her students with donuts. Now, they go nuts to finish their math homework, so they'll get a donut the next day at school. I might have been a better, math, uh, better in math if I had a fifth grade teacher like that. Might have had a weight problem, but... So, so how diligent are we for the reward that Jesus is offering, Jesus is promising? If you'll spread the seed of the gospel, I will reward you greatly. And then I'll add something to it. So as we scatter the seed of the gospel, we should anticipate the reward, knowing that God is measuring our faithfulness to the task that we've been given. This is the evidence of good soil, of saving faith. We believe God's promise of reward and we work towards it. We may not see the fruit we'd hope to see while on, the, on this earth, um, but Jesus is referring to much more than just temporal rewards. He has in mind abundant, great rewards, overflowing rewards. So does this motivate you, Christian friend? Does this motivate you to be more faithful in service for Christ, for his kingdom, for the gospel? It should, but sadly, sometimes it doesn't. Because our focus, even as Christians, is on the earthly, the material, the temporal things. I think this is one of the greatest challenges of Christians in our day. We struggle to see more than 24 to 40 hours ahead, and if our choices don't impact the immediate time frame that we're in, we lose interest. We're creatures of the immediate. Rewards must be immediate. Results must be immediate. I've exercised for three straight days. I see no results. I'm done. Right? You go buy an exercise bike. You join a gym. And then you walk away discouraged because you aren't rewarded for your efforts after the first week. You know how many gym memberships go unused in February? <laughs> Something like 75% of them. It's crazy. Jesus says, hey, look beyond what you presently can see. Look past the horizon. Trust me, there's really good things out there for those of you who will do this. If you'll be obedient, if you'll bear fruit in this matter, there's really good things out there for you. Trust me. So, we listen to Jesus' words and we bear down. We make sacrifices, we keep the goal in view, we keep the main thing the main thing, not the secondary thing the main thing. Um, we keep on keeping on, knowing that we who have, more will be given. And Jesus in Matthew 13, 12 says, be given in abundance. So let's keep spreading the seed of the gospel. Everywhere we go, Sun Valley Church, let's keep, as it were, a a gospel seed bag on our hip. And when we're in the line at the bank, let's spread the seed of the gospel. When we're talking on the back porch with a friend, let's spread the seed of the gospel. When we're anywhere we are, at work, at play, let's reach into that gospel seed bag and spread the gospel. <laughs> let's keep making much of Jesus everywhere we go 
expecting Jesus to fulfill his promises to us. We have resources for you in the lobby, these little Gospel of John booklets, uh, little paperback, they're there for you to take. We have these little invite cards that everybody below 40 years of age can read, um, or 35. It's like, who made this? Oh, Jeremy, that's right. But they're there. This font is readable. This is not, but they're there for you. Um, And we want you to take them. We want you to use them. You'll see it says for evangelistic use out there. Pick some up. And, and commit yourself to passing out a few of these or a few of these. This week. And if we run out of these, we'll get more. If we run out of these, we'll get more. But pick them up and use them. You know, these guys that stand around what will work for food and so forth. Give them this. You know, and say you don't need to work. It's free. So good soil, we read here, produces good fruit. Good soil results in the spiritual fruit of faithful witness and an anticipation of great reward. Are you good soil? If you are, you'll want to share the light of the gospel, the love of Christ, the grace of God, With everyone you encounter, you were meant to be put on a pedestal and shine forth the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, wherever you are. Let's make much of Christ. The fruit of our lives will one day be exposed. We read from 2 Corinthians 5, one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, giving an answer for the work that we've done, whether good or worthless. What will it be on that day? when I stand before Christ? Will I anticipate a great reward or will there be tears? Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and I'll close with this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to be faithful. We want to show evidence of good soil. We desire that that we would be faithful in spreading the light of Jesus Christ, the the glorious gospel, the love love and grace of God to those around us. Pray that you would give us courage to do such things, to do simple things like give people a copy of John or a little invitation card. Help us to think of the reward, anticipate it with great excitement and enthusiasm. Father, use us as a church, use us as individuals in this church to spread the light of Christ to those around us. Make this week be the first of many where people in Yakima hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray this in his name, amen.